Hello, welcome to our podcast. On February 25th, 1957, the body of a boy was found in a box in an illegal dumping ground near Bury Road in Philadelphia. The boy was estimated to be between four and six years old, weighing 30 pounds, and stood three feet three inches. He was found naked, but wrapped in a blanket. The boy's hair was cut, and his body has recently been washed. There were small scars on his chin, groin, and left ankle. He had also had his fingernails cut. Um, it's like he know he's known as the boy in the box or America's unknown child. He was what he was white and pale. The palms of his hands and soles of his feet were wrinkled, which may indicate that he may have been submerged in water around time of death. There was also brown residue in his throat, which means he vomited prior to death. Because it was cold and rainy, it was hard to determine time of death. It could have been between two weeks and a couple of days. Blunt force trauma to the whole body. The body was first found by a young man who was walking through the forest and found him. Uh, Strangely, this man waited a full day before tipping off the police, and even stranger, it turns out that a second man had previously found the boy's body, but had not contacted the police because he claimed he did not want to get involved. In hopes of finding his identity, the police kept the body of the morgue at the morgue while visitors from over 10 different states tried to identify the body by looking for any significant markers to no avail. Police sent out 400,000 flyers of images of the boy st- to police stations, post offices, and courthouses all over the country. Even the American Medal- Medical Association sent out a description of the boy, but it led nowhere. The police compared the child's footprints to the hospital records in the area. Fingerprints were taken of the boy, but no record was found to prove that the boy ever existed. Some of the clues in this case was a promising one that came from the actual box itself. The box contained a serial number, which allowed investigators to pinpoint the shipment to where to trace it back to a J.C. Penney store 15 miles away, eerily before these boxes of bassinets. However, all the purchases paid in cash, leading no record. Eight purchases ended up contacting the police when they were read about the boxes or had put the boxes out for trash collection, though the police were able to determine that the box was shipped to an upper park nearby Pennsylvania. The blanket was examined by the Philadelphia Textile Institute, which were, which believed the black, the blanket was made in either Gramley, Quebec in Canada, or Shawana, North Carolina, but there was no way to tell this particular blanket was purchased since the thousands were made and sold. Ultimately, Ultimately, the blanket lead was a dead end. Another prosperous clue was a hat found 15 feet near the box. A blue corduroy Ivy League style cap, size 7 and an eighth. It was labeled Eagle Hat and Cap Company and was made by a small company owner, Mrs. Hannah Robbins. In South Philadelphia, Mrs. Robbins remembered the man who purchased the hat because she had customized it for him. The man who was described as blonde between the ages of 26 and 30, 
he requested that a leather strap and buckle be added to the hat. He paid in cash, and she never saw him again. Detective visited over 100 stores within the area, but nobody re recognized the hat nor the boy. There was also strands of hair found on the boy's body, suggesting a hasty haircut, and one forensic artist named Franklin Bender believed the boy was possibly raised as a girl. In fact, Bill Kelly, an original investigator of the case, recounts that in 1957 and 1958, a West Coast artist did circulated a rendition of the child as a girl, but it never produced any leads. With these dead ends led... Let's get into the theories and what could have possibly happened to the boy and who he could be. I'm Emily, and I am 16 years old, turning 17 in January. I live in Davidson, Michigan, and I love true crime. Uh, hi, I'm Rylan McLean. I'm 15, I think, and a half. Whoop, whoop. Um, I live in Lapeer, Michigan, and I love the color purple. My name is Journey Ranger. I am turning 17 very soon. I also live in Davison, Michigan, and I have a very strong passion for true crime and this case, especially because it has not been solved. So my theory is the orphanage theory or the foster home theory. So one of the officers on the case, which he had researched the case up until he died. Um, he had, during his research, reached out to a psychic, and the psychic claimed that the boy came from a foster home nearby to where his body was found. Upon interviewing the family of the foster home, the officer came up with nothing. However, after the family had moved away, they had an estate sale, and the officer went to it, and he found some alarming items. There was a bassinet in the home that was identical to the one that the box the boy was in the box that the boy was in came in, also being from JCPenney. He also found a blanket that was identical to the one that the boy was wrapped in. All in all, the officer came up with one theory. The man running the home had a stepdaughter who gave birth to a son out of wedlock. To get rid of the shame, they decided to get rid of him themselves. Unfortunately, in 1998, this theory was ruled out by improved DNA testing. My theory is M's theory. A woman referred to only as M came forward claiming that the boy had been purchased by her abusive mother and abused for several years in their home. M claimed that the boy vomited up his dinner with baked beans. Her mother had bashed him his head against the wall as punishment. Then she attempted to bathe him, during which he had died. The police additionally followed this lead as there were remains of baked beans in the boy's stomach and his fingers appeared to be water wrinkled. Those were both pieces of information that they never shared with the public. They were also encouraged by M's description of the boy as a small child with long hair. This fit the theory that the hair had been recently chopped as well as old testimony from a man who claimed to have seen the boy being placed in a box near the woods. Unfortunately, the police eventually led the theory aside as they were unable to verify M's claims. After looking into M's background, they found a history of severe mental illness. When they attempted to corroborate her claims with neighbors and friends, all of them denied ever seeing a child in her home. The theory was eventually dismissed as ridiculous. In 1961, Philadelphia investigators questioned Mr. and Mrs. Dudley on if the child was in fact theirs. They had 10 children, of which seven had died due to malnutrition and neglect. What draw attention to 
the Dudley family was one of their seven-year-old children, Carol Ann, had died of neglected malnutrition. Instead of burying their child in a coffin, they wrapped their child in a blanket and put it in the cemetery. And this led investigators to believe that, in fact, the boy in the box was was killed by the Dudley couple and left because of the evidence of their seven-year-old child who was killed. Ultimately, investigators found the parents as negligent. However, they found no connection between the boy in the box and their own neglectful tendencies. Another additional theory that is very popular amongst many people who follow the case is that the boy in the box was raised as a female. Investigators were led to believe this because there was mutilation around his genitals as well as his eyebrows were plucked prior to death. Um, They did a police sketch that showed the child as a girl with long hair and bangs to see if that would draw any attention to the case and give them a lead. They cut the child's hair around the time of death to hide the fact that maybe he was raised as a female. These two pieces of evidence show that the boy's appearance was altered to make him more feminine prior to death, and after death, they made him look more male-like as to lead investigators off their case. Several other theories have presented over the years, though all of them have eventually been discounted. It seems that the mystery of the boy in the box might never be solved, and that's America's unknown child could be remained that way forever. So we're going to start with our own speculations. I believe that the boy was just killed and dumped because of negligent parents, uh, not by the Dudleys who were carnival workers, just by normal people who were negligent and probably couldn't afford to have a child. That's what I believe happened to the kid. They just killed him, no remorse, and put him in a box and dumped him. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I, I also like think that the M theory could be mm-hmm. pretty yeah, believable really because I mean, even if she was crazy, like how do you make that up without knowing any of the evidence and all of it lines up perfectly? Yeah. Right. No. And they're like, she's a little crazy. We can't do this. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But I mean, but how many I mean, times but, in the past have crazy people been? I think. Well, maybe not negligence to be able to pay for it because that bass net was rare. There was only twelve of them ever made. Right, but they could have just found the box. Yeah. Because oh. the I mean maybe the box could have been the one from the orphanage. Yeah, and, and then they could have just taken it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Oh, so like, I think M's theory with uh, maybe a little mix with negligence. So like, more, I think there was this other theory that we didn't cover about the child was used for sex and that they sold, the the kid was sold. And so I think that, like, the kid was sold to M's mom and then M... And her mom were, like, in that situation together. So, like, the kid was sold to them. Mm-hmm. So, like, I think that also could have happened. I'm not sure. Maybe the carnival one, too. They all seem pretty plausible. Right. And that's that's the bad thing is, like, they can't get any leads off of any of these theories other than the only evidence they have is a blanket and a bassinet box from JCPenney, which was mainly paid in cash. So they have no lead off of that. Maybe they should have, um, like taken like their main like if they had a main suspect they could have taken it to the girl that made the hat and they could have seen if that was them like she could have mm-hmm. been like yeah that's the person with that hat right i think that should have been something they should have done 
but I don't know, they were old or something. Yeah, and they're... then, like, of course, like, the neighbors didn't see anybody at M's or a little boy at M's house, but, I mean, what if it was a girl? Yeah. And what if they, the mom just kept it inside of the house all the time? I mean... Right. Made her clean. So, the only mm-hmm. place person... I mean, and unfortunately, in every case, they can't just go off one person's opinion. Yes. Right. So... I just wish there was more evidence. Well, in newer times they have, they thought they found the person who did it, but they really haven't. Like, there's been, in the most recent years, I think five years, they've found more evidence that isn't, I mean, it's plausible, but it's not completely accurate because of, there's no DNA that we can get anymore. Because you don't want to exhume a body. Ugh, from so that long ago to find out a case of a person the DNA dead. will be dead already. Right. Like, yeah. there'll be no more DNA. If they were, what, 30? What was the speculation? It was a 30-year-old who did yeah, it? Yeah, 26 to 30. Yeah, in the 50s. That's, yes. it's what, <laughs> 70 years later, yeah, they have to be 100 to still be around. Yeah. So, and if so, what are you going to do? Put them in jail for right. a year? No. <laughs> right. Six days before they pass away. Yeah, so I don't think they really could do anything about this anymore. I don't really think finding who did it would do anything else anymore yeah, right. it's not like they were a serial killer or something if they were then they've already been found probably and the saddest part is is the kids parents didn't come forward so yeah it, they probably did it and there's no closure to anyone who has followed the case yeah mm. there's no closure to like saying like oh well what if he was someone's family but if his parents didn't want him then they already know he died right then they're not worried about it yeah Okay, and this has been our podcast uh, with Journey Ranger, Emily Levine, and Riley McLean. Bye. Bye. Bye.